There's a story about legendary coach Vince Lombardi and how at the beginning of every football season, he would call his players together and give them a famous speech that started with this sentence. Gentlemen, this is a... Okay, how many of you have heard that before? Okay, several. Um, let's try this. You ready, Pastor Phil? All right, here we go. Pastor Phil, this is a football. You can throw it back. You can throw it back. Here we go. All right, good deal. Now, it doesn't matter how skillful or accomplished you are as a football player, it's good to be reminded of the basics, like throwing and catching and blocking and tackling. The same is true when it comes to prayer. It's good to be reminded of what? The basics, exactly, exactly. Now, I want you to know that the message this morning is largely drawn from a message by Pastor Rick Warren. He was teaching his congregation about the basics of prayer. And listen, a lot of these ideas certainly are not novel or new because they come from where? They come from the Bible. They come from God's book. But I want you, I want you to know this, that if you're somebody who's been a Christian for a long time, maybe decades, this message is for you. Or if you're somebody who's recently decided, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus. If you're a new believer, this message is for you. And if you're here this morning, maybe somebody invited you or you found us online and you're just checking Christianity out, you're not sure what it means to follow Jesus, this message is for you. And here's why. It's because of this first principle, this life-changing principle about prayer. And it's there on your outline. And it says this, we were created to pray. Every single human being is made in the image of God. And because we are made in the image of God, we are hardwired to pray. I mean, people in every religion pray. Buddhists pray and Muslims pray and um, Jews pray and Christians pray. People that have no religion pray. Why is that? Well, the Bible tells us. It's in the book of Ecclesiastes. God has planted eternity in the human heart. Now, I really believe that instinctively people know there's got to be more than what I can see. There's got to be more than the here and the now, and that's because God made each one of us with an eternal soul. We have been wired to seek God. We've been wired to talk to God, even to praise God. And that's exactly what this verse reminds us of. Let everything that has breath do what? Praise the Lord. So the first principle, and by the way, there are seven, one for each day of the week, but the first is we were created to pray. Now here's the, the second principle. We are not very confident about our ability to pray. We're not very confident about our ability to pray. I talk to people all the time who say, you know, I'm just not that good at praying. You know, often I don't know what to say or how to say it. Consider this. What would happen if right now, this very moment, I just called you by name and asked you to come up and lead the church in prayer? What would you do? Faint? I mean, a lot of us would say, I don't... I can't do that. I don't even know where to begin. Listen, I'm convinced that God doesn't want us to feel inadequate when it comes to prayer. Now, if that's how you feel this morning, realize this. You are in really good company. Because a man named Paul, a follower of Jesus, wrote this about prayer. He said, we don't even know what we should pray for, nor how we should pray. Now, if the man who wrote nearly half the New Testament feels that way about prayer, it's okay to feel like, hey, I need to get better at prayer. And not only that, consider the 12 disciples who followed Jesus. These disciples that 
that knew that they needed to learn how to pray. Check out this verse from Luke. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, this is really an amazing request. These guys had a front row seat to the ministry of Jesus. They followed him around for three years. They, they saw Jesus heal the sick. They saw him walk on water. They saw him raise the dead. But they never came to him and said, hey, Jesus, would you teach us to do miracles like you? And consider this. They heard Jesus preach. They heard these incredible stories, and they saw people's lives changed by the teaching of Jesus. But they never came and said, Jesus, would you teach us to preach? But they did come and say, Lord, Teach us to pray. Why? Because they knew that behind the miracles and behind the teaching was what? It was prayer that unleashed the power of God. Later on in our 40-day adventure, we're going to be looking at the prayer life of Jesus so that we can become better at praying. But let me do this. Let me move on to the next principle here, a third thing that I want you to see, another basic. Our frustrations with prayer are often caused by our misconceptions about prayer. There are certain things that people believe about prayer that lead to frustration, and the reason they lead to frustration is they are simply not true. So let me do this. Let me point out some misconceptions about prayer and see if any of these might apply to you. Here's the first misconception, and it's on your outline. Prayer is not a magic wand. Prayer is not a magic wand. God's not a, a genie in a bottle waiting to magically grant your request. I mean, there are no magical words that will ensure that your prayer is going to be answered. Um, you can't look at your spouse and say, um, Alakadabra, Alakazam, make Steve a great husband as fast as you can. That's what happens when you sit on the front row, my friend. So you can't just say certain words and expect, hey, God's obligated to answer me. Prayer's not a magic wand. Here's something else that prayer is not. It is not a, who knows? What is that? A fire extinguisher. Prayer's not a fire extinguisher. I read a story about these two guys are in an open field, and they look behind them, and there's this angry bull chasing them. So they're running as fast as they can, and one guy says, hey, the bull's gaining on us. We better pray. His friend says, well, I don't know how to pray. He says, you never prayed? He says, the only prayer I know is the one we said around the dinner table at night. He says, well, that'll work. Just pray. And his friend, as they're running, says, dear God, for that which we are about to receive... Make us truly thankful. <laughs> Listen, you've heard me say this before. God does not want prayer to be our last resort. He wants it to be our first priority. So before you take the job, what should you do? Pray. Before you go on the date, pray. Before you sign up for that vacation, pray. Before you eat dinner, you can pray. Prayer should be our first priority priority, not our fire extinguisher of last resort. Now, here's another misconception about prayer. Prayer is not a tug of war. How many of you remember a show called Let's Make a Deal? Sometimes that's what people do when they pray. God, let's make a deal here, okay? God, if you do this for me, I'll do that for you. But here's the deal. God doesn't need anything from us. And it's not like we have to pull things out of God. God is a good father who loves to give good gifts to his children. So prayer is not a tug of war. And here's the final misconception about prayer that, that I believe affects many people. Prayer is not a ritual to relieve guilt. Prayer is not a ritual to relieve guilt. Um, some of you 
we're taught this as a child. If you do something wrong, if you sin, you have to say a certain number of prayers where you repeat the same words over and over again to be okay with God. How many of you have heard that teaching before? Yeah, some of us have been affected by that teaching. But what did Jesus say about prayer? He said this. When you pray, do not use meaningless repetition, thinking that you will be heard for your many words. Listen carefully. Prayer is not a punishment for our sins. Prayer is not penance for the wrong things we've done. Prayer is an opportunity to share our heart with God. God doesn't want us just to see prayer as some duty. He wants us to see it as a delight, not something we just have to do, but something we want to do. And that brings us to this fourth principle that God loves for me to talk with him about what? Yeah, absolutely anything. This past Monday was a holiday for, for many people, and so our son, John, who works usually on Monday, was off, and Chris and I, my wife, invited him to come over to our house so we could cook him breakfast and just hang out for a while. And what a great start to the day. We talked about everything, sports and politics and faith and church and uh, the Bible and, you know, fun things that we had done when he was growing up. And I looked at my watch and I couldn't believe it. Hours had flown by. But I wasn't surprised because I really enjoy talking to my son. And I want him to tell me about anything and about everything that he's interested in. Do you realize that God feels the same way about you? He wants you to pour out your heart to him. In fact, this is how the Bible describes God. The Lord is like a father to his children. Tender, compassionate to those who reverence him. See, God wants us to tell him everything that we're interested in. And by the way, where did you get your interest? Who gave those interests to you? This, well, this should be easy. It's God. He created you with the interests that you have. Here's a, here's a quick poll. How many of you are interested in sports? Okay. How many of you are interested in politics? How many of you are interested in getting politics out of sports? <laughs> See? Or, or, listen, some of you are interested in, in history or art or science or technology. God gave you certain interests, things that you are passionate about, and God says, hey, talk to me about that. And I was thinking about this while I was working on the message. If you're a, if you're a parent, do you want to know what your kids are thinking and feeling? Oh, of course you do. I remember when our, our son David was a little baby, I would hold David and I would look at him and I would talk to him, I would sing to him, I would read to him, and he would look up at me and I, I would tell my wife, Chris, I wish I knew what was going on in that little head. I wish he was able to talk to me. I can't wait until he's old enough to have a what? Conversation. Well, that's really how God feels about us, isn't it? When you're born into God's family, God says, I'd like for you to learn how to pray now so that we can have a what? A conversation because those conversations bring joy to the heart of God. And when little kids are, are learning to talk, do they always say everything perfectly? Shake your head no. Of course not. I mean, little kids, they, you know, sometimes they, they use the wrong words, sometimes words are missing, sometimes they make up words. But as a parent, do you have a sense of what they're trying to tell you? Yeah, you do. And that's also true of God. Because sometimes I don't have the right words, but God knows what's in my heart. He knows what I'm trying to say. And when it comes to prayer, some people think this. Well, you know, God's running the whole universe. So I shouldn't bring these little matters to him. I mean, you can pray about big things like you can ask God for world peace or God bless all the missionaries, but 
you know, the details of my life, he's not really concerned. Listen, you can talk to God about anything. If you lose your car keys, talk to God. I do it all the time. God, help me find my keys, I'm late. You can do that. If you need a parking space, you can, it's okay. God, you know I need a parking space. He may say no, he may say not yet. But he says, bring your request to me. If you've got a headache, God, I've got a headache. Would you please do something? You can bring any request to God because he is interested in you, in your heart, in your thoughts, in your emotions. And let me say this. God wants us to come before him with confidence. Um, this is the topic in our small groups this week, coming to God with confidence. God wants us to truly believe that he hears us and that he will answer us in his way and in his time. Let me show you some verses here that point that out. This is in 1 John. We can be confident in approaching God, knowing that he listens to us whenever we ask him for anything, notice this phrase, according to his will. And since we know that he hears us when we make our request, then we can be sure that he will answer us. He might say no. He might say not yet. He might say you need to grow up. He might say yes, but God says he will answer. And check out these verses. Often you, you read the first part of this, but not the second. This is from Jeremiah. God says, I have good plans for you, not plans to hurt you. I will give you hope and a good future. Then you will call my name. You will come to me and pray to me. And what does God say? And I will listen to you. Now, church, this is really important. God has promised to listen to us. But do we, when we pray, listen to God? Because prayer is a conversation. Prayer is a two-way street. I remember years ago when somebody asked me the question, so when you're praying, when do you stop talking and ask God to speak to you? And I thought, never. And so that changed my prayer life enormously. And what I do now when I pray, I mean, I will talk to God, but then I just need to be quiet and say, okay, God, what do you want to say to me? Is there something you want me to know? Is there something you want me to do? Now, how do I know that it's God talking to me instead of just, you know, making stuff up in my head? Well, God speaks to us through what? He speaks to us through his word, which is one of the reasons that I think it is so important to memorize Bible verses. I might be praying and say, God, what do you want to say to me today? And a verse will come to mind almost immediately. I have loved you with an everlasting love. It's from Jeremiah. Well, that's a scripture verse, and I know that's God's word, so I really understand that God can speak to me heart to heart and mind to mind. Or I'll be praying about something and say, God, what do you want me to do? And a verse will come to mind. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Oh, yeah, God, I need to depend on you. So, church, I want to encourage you to memorize verses of scripture so that when you're praying God can bring those verses to mind and that you can have a conversation with him now here's another principle about prayer number five God listens to prayers that are simple and sincere simple and sincere when you pray you do not have to use fancy phrases you don't have to use religious cliches you can just talk to God now, some of us have been around church for a while. Um, I grew up in church and then left church for a number of years. But I remember when I was a, a teenager in church, I would hear these adults stand up and pray. And I would think, you know, I've got to pray like that. 
And the prayer sounded something like this. Oh, thou great potentate of the universe, thou who doth wonderfully bestow on us all manner of beseech blessings. And I thought, wow, that's going to be hard. I'm not sure I'm ever going to be able to pray like that. Well, listen, you don't have to. You don't have to talk to God in English that's 200 years old. By the way, did you know that God's not from England? He's not. So you don't have to sound like Shakespeare. You can just sound like you. Because what kind of prayers does God listen to? I just pointed it out. Simple and sincere. Simple and sincere. And Jesus taught us this. Jesus taught a lot about prayer. He said this. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. Now let me tell you what's going on. In the Hebrew culture, there were certain times of the day when everybody would stop whatever they were doing and pray. And so these religious leaders, Jesus calls them hypocrites, this is what they would do. They would be out and about in the marketplace and they would look at their watch or their sundial or their timepiece and they would realize, you know, in just about two minutes it's going to be the time of prayer. So let me see if I can figure out the busiest intersection I can find because I'm going to arrive just at the stroke when the clock says, it's time to pray and then I'll just stand up. And pray and everybody will listen to me. That's what Jesus is talking about. And he says this, I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in, in full. Instead, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. See, the reason that Jesus calls these leaders hypocrites is because for them, prayer was a performance. They were just trying to impress people. They were trying to show off. And Jesus says, don't do that. When you pray, you go into your room and you talk to your father in private. And your father who hears what you say will hear you and answer your prayers. In fact, check out this next statement by Jesus. He says, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And notice this. It's almost like, oh, and by the way, when you pray, do not keep babbling on and on like pagans. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them or your father knows what you need, catch this, before you ask him. Now we could spend a lot of time talking about what Jesus taught about prayer just in these couple of verses, but two quick takeaways. Number one, don't pray to impress people. Don't pray to impress people. Don't pray and hope somebody says, man, that was a great prayer, you knocked it out of the park. It's not what God's after. And here is the second, second takeaway, it's okay for prayers to be short. It's okay for prayers to be short. Now, don't misunderstand. It's okay for prayers to be long. God says, pour out your heart to me. Sometimes that takes a while. Sometimes I pray for a long time. Sometimes I pray for a really short time. But let me just tell you this really important principle about prayer. Longer is not necessarily stronger. Jesus says, don't just keep saying the same thing over and over again because God already knows what you need. And maybe you've been in this situation before. You're in a group and, and somebody's praying and they're just saying the same thing again and again and you think, buddy, would you land the plane? <laughs> Jesus says, you don't have to say the same thing over and over again. I got it. I got it. And I will hear and I will answer. Now, here's, here's really the bottom line. This is from the book of Hebrews. Such a beautiful verse. Let us come near to God with a sincere heart and a sure faith. And here is principle number six. 
basic about prayer, God loves to display his grace by answering our prayers. And this is, this is so important to understand. God wants to answer our prayers in a way that shows that he is a gracious God. And listen, when God says no, when God says not yet, he's still a gracious God. He still loves you. Now, if you're a parent, we talked about this last week. Um, do you ever say no when your children ask you for things? Well, of course you do. Why? I just want to give you four reasons that a parent would say no to a request from their child. Now, there are many more, but here are some important reasons. You might want to write these down. In case your kids ask you, you might have something to share with them. But the first is this. We say no to protect our kids. Ever do that? No, you can't go there. No, you can't do that. Why? Well, because I'm afraid it might not be good for you. You might not come back home. We say no sometimes to protect our kids. Here's another reason. We may say no to direct our kids, to get them moving in a different direction because they're headed the wrong way. So we say, no, you're not going there. You're not doing that. Or how about this? You say no to correct your kids, to teach them to do the right thing. So you can say something to protect, to direct, to correct. And here's the last thing, to perfect not that kids are ever going to be perfect, but you can help them develop their character by sometimes saying no. Now, what about God? Does God ever say no? Absolutely. Why? Well, because sometimes he does it to protect us, sometimes to direct us, sometimes to correct us, and often to perfect us, to develop our character. There's an interesting song by this recording artist, country recording artist. Um, some of you may know his name, Garth Brooks. Does that ring a bell? And he wrote a song called Unanswered Prayer. And it's about a time in his life when he was praying and God said no. And I read the lyrics yesterday and thought I wanted to share them with you because they really make quite a point. So here's the lyrics from the song, some of the lyrics. He says this, just the other night at a hometown football game, my wife and I ran into my old high school flame. And as I introduced them, the past came back to me, and I couldn't help but think of the way things used to be. She was the one that I wanted for all times, and each night I spend praying that God would make her mine. And if only he'd grant me this wish I wished back then, I'd never ask for anything again. Does that sound familiar? Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs, and just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he don't care. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. And this final, final verse, she wasn't quite the angel that I remembered in my dreams. And I could tell that time had changed me in her eyes too, it seemed. We tried to talk about the old days. There wasn't much we could recall I guess the Lord knows what he's doing after all. You got that right, Garth. God knows exactly what he's doing. So listen, regardless of how or when God answers our prayers, he's doing it to display his grace, his unmerited favor. And here are some verses that point that out. Look at this verse. God says, call to me and I will answer you. I will show you marvelous and wondrous things. Notice this, that you could never figure out on your own. Have you ever been in a situation where you throw your hands up and say, I don't know what to do. I cannot figure this out. Ever been there? What should you do when you find yourself in that situation? Four-letter word starts with a P, ends with a Y. 
Yeah, pray. Why? Because God loves to dis- display his grace, and one of the ways he does that is by giving you wisdom. So you'll be able to figure out what to do. And Jesus affirms this idea that God is gracious as he answers our prayers. Look at this verse from Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says, if you, being imperfect and sinful parents, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? And church, here's a very simple and yet powerful reminder of prayer. You do not have because you do not ask God. I remember putting this on my bulletin board at home just to remind me, hey, you don't have because you don't ask. That's so important for us to remember. Now here is the last basic principle about prayer this morning. God longs to be close to you. I'd like to ask the, the band to come back up to the stage to get ready for our last song because I want to really drive this point home this morning because this is a life-changing principle about prayer that God actually longs to be close to you. Check out this verse It's from the book of Isaiah. The Lord waits for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion. One of the things that happens when you have children is that you better understand the heart of God. I mean, parents naturally long to be close to their kids and we want to know what they're doing, what they're thinking, what they're feeling. We want to be able to talk to our sons and our daughters. And when you can't talk to them, there's this unique pain that you experience. And sometimes there's a physical problem. You know, I've been in settings in hospitals where kids were in comas or there was a brain injury and their parents couldn't talk to them and that's what their parents wanted more than anything else, just to have a conversation. And other times, your son or your daughter, well, they could talk to you, but they choose not to. They choose to cut off communication. They choose to shut you out of their life. And if you've been through that experience or if you're going through that right now, you know how much that breaks your heart. And I was thinking this week, God, I've done that to you. God, there have been times in my life when I just wanted nothing to do with you. Times when I chose to go the other way and I didn't want to talk to you. I didn't realize how much it broke your heart. But I realize that now, that God loves us. In fact, he pursues us with his love because he wants us to be close to him. But here's the problem, and this is a huge problem we all have. We come into this world with a heart that keeps us from being close to God. We have a sinful heart, a prideful heart. And because God is holy, our sin separates us from him. But God longs to be close to us. And at the same time, this God who is holy is just, which means that there's not just the problem of separation, there's the problem of punishment. Because of God's nature, because of his holiness and his justice, he has to punish every sin we've ever committed. And what is that punishment? To die and to be separated from God. For how long? For all eternity. That's a pretty serious problem. We can't solve that on our own. So what can we do? We can pray. See, we can come to God and say, God, my life is a mess. God, please rescue me. God, please do something. I need you. I remember the night I prayed that prayer and God ran to rescue me. 
Because that is the good news of the gospel, that God really does love you, and because he loves you, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this world. And Jesus lived the perfect life that we could never live, which uniquely qualifies him to die in our place. And when Jesus is dying on the cross, realize this, that God is willing to do a dramatic thing. He's willing to take your sin and your failure and put it on Jesus and punish Jesus instead of you. And on the cross, it's like Jesus is reaching up to God with this hand and reaching down to us with this hand and saying, I want to bring you together. I want to heal your relationship. I know that you want to be close. And so three days later, Jesus comes back to life after dying to pay for our sins. And his message was simple. You need a new life, a life where you are close to God, and that's why I came, so you could be forgiven and have that kind of life. And church, realize this, that this good news about Jesus, this story, it really comes full, full circle. And here's what I mean. If you go to the beginning of the book, there are two people, Adam and Eve, and they have what kind of relationship with God in the beginning? close. They live in a perfect place. They walk with God and talk to God. They, they have this running conversation all the time. Well, what happens when you trust Jesus? Now your relationship with God is restored. You can talk to God. You can be close to God. And let me tell you, that's where history is going. The book of Revelation says this, now God dwells with his people. <clears throat> now God and his people are once again close together. And there's a verse in the book of Hosea that is so powerful because it reveals the heart of God to us and it says this. This is God speaking. I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to what? I want you to know me. I want you to be close to me. And look at this verse from the book of James. It tells us this. Draw close to God and God will do what? God will draw close to you. Now the only way we can draw close to God is through Jesus. Because I tell you what, when I pray, I don't pray in my name. Why? Because God shouldn't listen to me because of anything I've done or who I am. Whose name do I pray in? I pray in Jesus' name because God has promised to listen to me because of who Jesus is and what he has done for me. And there is a, a stunningly beautiful passage in Philippians chapter 2 about who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And in that passage, it says, Jesus, who being in very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be taken advantage of. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Church, this morning, let's sing about the beautiful name of Jesus that draws us close to God.